Welcome to the U.S. Law Essentials Law and Language Podcast, the legal English podcast for non-native English speakers that helps you improve your English listening, improve your legal English vocabulary, and build your knowledge of American legal culture. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to remind you that U.S. Law Essentials offers online legal English and online U.S. law courses. Our courses are designed for students, bar exam candidates, attorneys, and translators. If you're interested in learning more, please contact Daniel at daniel at uslawessentials.com or visit uslawessentials.com and join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. And now, today's episode. Welcome to U.S. Law Essentials Law and Language Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Horowitz. And today, we continue our series of interviews with multilingual lawyers with our special guest, all the way from Italy, Claudia Amato. Hi, Claudia. Hi. Uh, but before we get started, I want to remind all our listeners that we now have transcripts available for past episodes. These are great for improving your listening and your speaking. If you ever need ideas for how to use them, let us know, and we'll give you some help. Or you can let you can ask Claudia too, I guess. I'm sure she has some good ways to, to work with transcripts. Anyway, uh, and how do you get access to the transcripts? Just go to the podcast section of uslawessentials.com and sign up and you get free access to all of our transcripts. It's that easy. Because our goal is to help you, our listeners, improve your legal English. And now let me tell you about today's multilingual lawyer guest, Claudia Amato. Claudia is a lawyer based in Savona, Italy, which is in the Liguria region. She is the founder of SpeechLex, where she prepares lawyers and judges for the tolls exam uh, and also helps them improve their confidence with legal English. And she also works as a legal translator and interpreter for the Savonia Court of Justice. And she has an international legal English certificate from Cambridge University and also a TEFL a teacher of English as a foreign language certificate. Welcome, Claudia. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's really nice to have you here. So uh, the first question I always like to ask is what languages do you speak? Okay, well, because I was born in Italy and I attended school here, that is um, here in Italy where I live, that is Savona, my first language is Italian, but at the same time, because my mom is Canadian, I've been uh, exposed to uh, the American English quite a lot when I was young. Um, besides this, I then studied English at school, at um, primary school, high school, etc. Then, I, at university, I didn't study languages, I studied law. But I um, I worked for um, a period, a quite long period of time, one year in London, in a law firm based in London. Um, well, the first question here, people ask me, what, but were the lawyers Italian or were they uh, English? They were English, English lawyers. So that's why I put that in the language uh, part, because I um, I worked with with uh, with the English language. And then in uh, 2020, I did also a specialization course with a university here in Italy to become, and I, be um, I became a certified translator 
for just for legal English. So I had this specialization course. I did this uh, specialization course in uh, legal English translation. So this is uh, basically my language. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to say. Besides English and Italian, I also speak very little Japanese that I studied when I was at high school. Sugoi. <laughs> yeah, it was. So I'm, I'm not the only one. Oh, okay. Good to know. Me too. Yeah, it, it, it was difficult. I mean, it was difficult. Yeah. Stopped a little bit. I don't know. Did you ever stop studying Japanese for a while? Like for a well, I, I learned it by going to Japan. I went after after I was done with college. I lived in Japan for two years and taught English. So that's I learned it by living there. So it's kind of embedded. I'm not I'm not as good as I used to be, but it's a lot of it's kind of embedded in my brain now. So I told him, yeah. So that you you will never forget that. I had I I mean I was studying Japanese. I studied Japanese when I was at high school. Then because I started university and I felt a little bit overwhelmed because studying law and Japanese at the same time for my brain it was a little bit too much. So uh -huh. I said, okay, pause a little bit, and then I pick it up again in 2018 because I decided to go and travel to Japan uh, for a long period of time. So I said, well, probably because I would have. Uh, my my plan was to go to rural area. Um, I said, well, maybe I will need a little bit of Japanese. So I studied that again, and but just the at the survival level, just how to survive, and I managed to survive. Luckily, where where did you go in Japan? I did a, a trail called the Eighty Eight Temples that is on the island Shikoku. Um, yeah, Shikoku, that Yes, one. yes, I know that. That. Wow, that must have been a wonder. That's a very different and unique. I mean, most usually when people go to Japan, they go to Tokyo, they go to Kyoto, but you went and did the 88 temple hike. Exactly. I started there, and you know what? I didn't know about this. I mean, I was totally unaware of this. And as I posted a, uh, a picture of the first temple, my Japanese teacher texts me and she said, you know what, you are uh, very close to my home. I didn't know you would have been coming. So I didn't even know that she went back to Japan and I didn't know that she lived there. So I already had wow. a, a there. <laughs> that and, was and great. How, how did you do, how was your Japanese? Did you get to use it a lot? <laughs> I used that a lot. I mainly used the same <laughs> bunch of words that I had in my pocket, but I managed to survive. Because sometimes, two times, I found myself in awkward situations just because I went there in uh, August. And so it's um, the period of the storms and the floodings and everything else. So it was more because of that. But my Japanese helped me survive. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful experience. That, that must have been really terrific. And, and have you lived in, in any other countries? Not at the moment, but I'm planning to. I mean, probably in the future, I will. I, I, I see myself as um, um, one of these digital nomads that can travel and work at the same time. So this, this is my, my project. And I'm also helped by the fact that in Italy, I'm in Italy because I'm, I live in the 
uh, European Union, we can travel between all the, the different, um, different countries. And so that'll help, that'll help. A month in Paris would be good. Yes, yes, that would be very nice. And you <laughs> mentioned to me that you are planning to take something called the QLTT, the Qualified Lawyer Transfer Test, which I think would would um, is is, got, is an important piece of the digital nomad life uh, potentially. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course, this is a possibility that is available to lawyers coming from different jurisdictions. But the the problem arose when uh, the European Union started to become even bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have this protected right uh, to move and work in all the other um, member states. And so, um, for example, if you are um, a doctor, you can do your job in uh, another country. And then the, the problem arose with lawyers because even lawyers wanted to travel and also work in other member states. But at the same time, the um, judges and all the other lawyers of the different countries started to say, okay, you have this protected right, but at the same time, the law is different. So they created um, all these um, learning paths in order to make sure that lawyers coming from uh, other jurisdictions have the basic knowledge in order to uh, provide their services in the other member states. So once you um, take the test and you, of course, pass the test, you are qualified to, um, to practice the, uh, the legal profession in the other member state. So I was thinking about taking the exam in uh, Ireland, in Dublin. And what, what is tested on the exam? Because, I mean, you can't possibly learn the laws of, but how many, how many countries are in the EU now? How many member states? Oh, the, the point, you just take one exam for each jurisdiction. So it means that if I want to oh, work, okay. uh, move and work, for example, as I would like to uh, in Ireland, you just, you have to take the exam there, but it's, it's quite a long path. It's more than one year. You have many different exams. You are tested, uh, your knowledge of civil law, um, commercial law, everything, contract law is tested. So it's quite a long path. But but because you're a qualified lawyer in Italy, you have mm -hmm. the you have the ability and the right to take that exam. Whereas in the past, you'd have to go to law school in Ireland and study there and go through their program. Exactly. Exactly. Ah. So that's exactly. somewhat similar to in the U.S. Since we've got fifty states and fifty jurisdictions, you can take the bar in one state, but often other states will have an agreement with the states where you can waive in to that state and you don't have to take the bar again or you can just go and take the bar also but that's a lot of that's a lot of work as well huh. so we have test which is it's difficult it's challenging but it makes it possible for you to work abroad without ha without having to go back to university right and i assume if you're doing it in ireland the the exam is in english and if you're doing that exam in spain it's in spanish etc cetera, etc cetera. exactly Okay. It works exactly that way. And and how do you study for it? Are there courses that you take or or online or books or how do you do it? 
I, oh, oh, okay, because this is my future plan. So I must admit that I'm not that prepared about that at the moment, but I did a sort of overview. I overviewed the, um, the website of the Dublin um, Law Support Center, whatever. And they will provide you with books. So you, you will, of course, pay for the books, but they have books to, uh, to make sure that you know all the knowledge that they want. And there are also courses, but unfortunately, I think that you have to attend the courses there. So it's, um, you, you must be present. And that's something that I'm not sure I can do. I don't know whether they have already prepared online-based um, preparation courses. I hope they will. If they will, I will definitely um, register for these courses. But I mean, they're quite prepared. It's not something, uh, it's just me. I mean, I have to uh, still look into that. Right, so there's a, there's a whole system for how people do this. They're prepared. I know in the US, there's, there's a whole industry of bar exam preparation companies, private companies that, that help people. So I, yeah, so it sounds like there's something at least somewhat similar um, that exists already. Yeah. But I don't think that for them it's such a business because even the the costs for the exams are not that high. So, for example, in um, in the UK, it was like ten thousand pounds, which is quite a lot. Instead, in the in Ireland, it was much less, much less. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a really that's a good point of contrast. Mm -hmm. yes. all, all, education, everything in the US tends to be much more expensive, uh, and and so you'll be working with um, English in Ireland. You've you've worked with English in London, and you said yeah. your mother's Canadian, and and then I, I guess you must encounter American English as well. Is it is there is, is are there challenges to navigating the different Englishes? Of course, on a daily basis, because I also learned that uh, even grammar rules sometimes change between American English and uh, British English. So that was a little bit challenging at the beginning, but I'm aware of that. So I, initially, I thought, well, so did I make that? Did I make a mistake? Uh, which was also possible, of course. But I said, then I asked mom, and she said, well, that's just the way I used to say these things. So don't worry about that. We that that's our jerk so don't worry about that just you know british english is a little bit different so just get used to that too it's good that you are exposed to uh, british english as well so that was good but it wasn't that difficult i mean the fact is that when you work in a formal environment everything that is uh, a jerk is not involved so it's m much easier to to follow the the language everything that is not a what uh, jerk, like legal. Uh, I mean, oh, jargon. Jargon, yeah. So you don't, uh, you don't speak um, as a young teenager would speak. I mean, it's right. easier. That's easier. So let's see. So you have. So your work falls into two main categories. There's your teaching, and there's your legal translation work. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah. Okay. I started my career. Uh, as a translator and as a court interpreter. Uh, I, 
it was just at the beginning. I mean, it's something that I still do. It's something that I like doing. It's something that uh, helped me learn a lot about what I do. But at the same time, now I'm more focused on teaching legal English because I find it uh, much more creative, much more challenging than just translating what other people say. And so I'm more focused on that right now. But it was, it's always nice to go to court and having to translate uh, court hearings and the recordings and being involved in the investigations. So it's something I keep doing just because I, I, for me, it's fun. It's fun. It's not well paid because unfortunately, uh, court appointed experts here in Italy are paid very little. I mean, you don't go there for money. You just go there for experience or and just because you, you like your job. Okay. But it was a good way to start. And in, in fact, it's still, I'm, I'm still there just because I, um, I feel positive about it. I just like this way of working. I like working with the, with the court system. Have you had any particularly interesting or tricky or challenging situations in your experiences? Unfortunately, a lot, a lot. For example, once, and I think it was my first, the first time I was in court, there was this American, um, and who he had some mental health issues declare i mean he was um i mean he had a doctor not with him but he was uh, treated and he decided to go uh, on holiday he decided to go to france he went there he rented a car and then he I don't know how it happened, but basically he arrived in Italy and then he went into panic because he um, he didn't have the insurance coverage. And so he started uh, punching, punching people in, in the streets. I mean, he got crazy, he got crazy. Then he took the car again and he left uh, his wife on the motorway. So she couldn't, she didn't know how to arrive in a city. And so she had to call the police and it was, such a nightmare, such a nightmare. And plus, when the hearing finished, they left him basically without nothing because he lost everything because he just went crazy. And so I I spent the, the whole, the, my entire afternoon helping these people, finding a plane to come back home, finding something to eat. And it was, it was, it was, it, it was fun. I must admit that. And then other things happened during the years, over the years, but yeah, that's, it was fun. I, I, wow. It, it was a story, but it happened. So it went beyond the uh, the legal English into... Beyond, in, yeah. Then I, I still have phone contact, so sometimes I just check whether they're okay or not, and they're, they're okay, so good. <laughs> so you really get the personal side of it, because so much of, of law and law practice, you deal with somebody's problem, but you might never interact with that person again or you know that company or that whatever like you just see that little sliver but but it sounds like you got a much more personal kind of experience or, or a connecting kind of experience um i don't know why i did that i just felt i i had to help those people <laughs> they, they were lucky to have you as an interpreter or a, or yeah. a that day. and and what about tell us a little bit about your teaching work Okay, about this is the part of my job that I like the most. 
I teach lawyers, I teach judges here in Italy, and um, I now also have a class of um, students of the law faculty of um, they're based in uh, in Russia. I don't remember the name of the uh, the uh, South Rural State University in Russia. And I'm preparing these students for a moot competition, the Yesup moot competition. Oh, wonderful! The Yesup moot, moot moot court competition. That's that's I've heard a lot about that. That's terrific. And it's yeah, it's terrific. It's sadly, it's a, it's a good experience for students because they it's the first time they interact at um, at an international level with students with other students from other jurisdictions and countries and whatever. Plus, I guess that that is one of the uh, this is one of the first times in which they have to do something uh, on their own that is so complicated that is uh, and they kind of act as if they were the lawyer or the judge, et cetera. So they're, it's really challenging for them. And I feel um, I, I'm happy to help you, to help them with uh, with this. So this is the the part that like, I'm really enjoying. In fact, they, ha they have to um, file their memorials tomorrow. So today it's a great excitement. They're, they're keep testing me to ask me information. So it's, it's a, very uh, challenging day as a teacher too. Okay, so so you're teaching, you're working with Russian moot court students or students yeah. preparing for, for international moot court. <laughs> what else are you doing with your teaching? I uh, teach uh, a group of just um, judges here, and they they're all so good. So this is really challenging because they uh, they have a very good knowledge of the English language. Plus, they have a lot of experience and they, uh, they're they used to studying. So if I give them homework, they do their homework. So this is really good. That I wasn't, is, yeah. And we, we don't prepare for any um, language examinations for because they're, I, I would say that they're, because of their level, they're beyond that. So with them, we we study, uh, for example, the British legal system or the American legal uh, system. We then um, review some of the um, landmark cases in the U.S., for example. We talk about the lives of uh, some just, uh, ju justices of the Supreme Court. So it's more like a cultural meeting than a proper legal English lesson. So we do, um, it's, we study, we study together. So that is mainly what I do with them. And then with the lawyers instead, we always prepare something that is always more practical, like uh, writing emails that are short and persuasive and that go straight to the point. This is what they asked me to do for them. Or we we prepare contracts. We see some temp. We look at some uh, templates together. We we do a different type of uh, work activity, and then we prepare for the uh, TOES exam. That is the uh, test of legal English skills. That is quite famous here in Europe. Oh, can you say more about about the TOES exam? Is that yeah. the Cambridge? It's, you know, the um, ILEC, 
was through Cambridge, the one that I uh, that, that I took when I was um, at the beginning of my career. But now it's no longer available, probably because it it was a bit too difficult for students. I don't know why it was a it was just a decision. Uh, so that is no longer available. We have instead the TOES exam that is provided by um, Oxford University Press, I think, but by Oxford, not Cambridge this time. And still, it's really good. They have just changed the, the book and the new book is as good as the first one, even better. And it provides students with a general background of uh, legal English, grammar, and uh, vocabulary. We study together uh, employment law, the law of torts, or contract law, the not criminal law, which was instead available with the ILEC exam. Oh, but still really good, really good. So very good starting point for lawyers who want, to, of course, to improve their legal English skills. Oh, wow. And, and I'm thinking back to a comment you made about the when you work with the judges, that it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, sort of American culture, legal cultural knowledge, and it's not so much legal English. But I, I was thinking, actually, background knowledge and cultural knowledge is part is such a big part of comprehension that I I would yeah. I would say that that is very much part of legal English. It so. is. It is. It is. But in fact, I can't, I generally don't do that with lawyers because they're more, more I mean, practicing lawyers, because they're more on practical things, things that they, they can in their uh, daily activity. Instead, judges, uh, I mean, at least the ones with, uh, with whom I worked, are more focused on the uh, cultural background, mm -hmm. on the study of the law from uh, the, the, the past. So they really like this and I like that too. So this gives me you know, a um, possibility of doing everything. I mean, I, I can study both the things and it's, this is good for me too. And, and how do how do your students or your clients find you? Do you is it word of mouth? Is it do you have a big billboard in the middle of the city? Like how does that how did how did you build up your your um, your your student base and your classes? Okay, so I must admit that I'm not very good at marketing myself. But besides, luckily, my students market my products more than what I do for myself. So it's word of mouth, mainly. Then I, I sometimes call, uh, contact the, dif the, the different law societies that we have here. In, because in Italy, every, um, every city has its own um, like council of lawyers so i generally call each of them to ask whether they would like to uh, sponsor some of these uh, courses then i also have uh, now finally i'm fi i finally have my website that is www.speechlex.eu this is my website we'll, we'll put that in the show notes <laughs> okay it's uh yeah speechlex because i wanted to as my first idea was Lex Speech, but let's speak or speak, but Speech Lex was, was a, a good option in my mind. I think it and sticks. That, yeah. I also have um, uh, a page on Instagram, an Instagram account that is again Speech Lex, where I upload some um, 
posts about vocabulary or grammar. We now uh, we're now reading a book all together. I mainly read the book because at the moment most of my students are a little bit shy, so they want to they don't want to interact. But we are we have also this uh, legal English book club. Oh, what a nice idea. I saw some of that on LinkedIn. You posted your, I saw you reading part of the book and I thought that was really terrific. So, and, and let me ask you, um, uh, as we as we sort of get to the, the end of our discussion, um, what, uh, do you have any advice that you like to give people or advice that, that someone's given you that's been really helpful? Okay, well, the, um, the first advice would be for students, Never give up on your dreams, first of all, because sometimes it's a little bit difficult to um, to go on when when the word becomes a, to be a little bit challenging. But dreams are dreams, so you can just wait a little bit, uh, wait a, a little bit longer to uh, make them happen. But they must be there. Then another. This is something that I don't know who told me about this, but who told me this? I don't know. But um, someone told me, stay where you feel empowered, which is really good. I mean, if I don't feel I am empowered in, in a certain place, that means that it's not a place where I should be. So I should stay where I feel that I can uh, really um, give my contribution to or uh, be helpful otherwise if i don't have this feeling i should just leave and find another thing that is probably um for me i, and, I would agree i would agree with that one and I, I wish somebody had told me that much earlier in my in my life sure. yeah because otherwise you find yourself stuck into situations that might be good for other people but they're not good for you and you wonder why but there's not a why there's just you're not okay for that position just change it mm -hmm. so it, sometimes it's easier than uh what we think and the last piece of advice would be and this is good. This is a famous quote. I don't know from who, by whom, but but it's a good one. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Ah, that's a really nice way to think about it. Yeah. And I try to apply this too in my daily life. So I not only preach, uh, but I, I try to do all these things. So is this in doing this this podcast interview today is this something that your future self might thank you for yeah of course of course <laughs> good, good. Um, if it's a good one i will tell myself you see claudia you can do your own podcast so you can produce your own podcast too you can speak you can you can do it oh yeah and we we talked earlier before we started recording um, that you're you're planning to start a podcast where you talk about movies that yeah. uh, have legal themes, which I thought yeah. was a terrific idea. Well, I have some movies in my mind, but the idea is, uh, first of all, to focus on the uh, dialogues between the main uh, characters that sometimes are uh, interesting for students. To focus on the vocabulary, to focus on, uh, of course, the uh, all of the background legal knowledge that we sometimes need to have in order to also understand the the plot of the of the movie 
I, I am very much looking forward to that podcast, and I, I will I will definitely recommend it and and let all my future students know about it. So thank you for having that idea, and, and really looking forward to it. We'll see. So now I must do my best to make it real. Right now, now it's now you've said it in a public forum. <laughs> okay. That's what is good when you you say things in public. Then you're compelled to do these things. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking time to join me today. Uh, we will, as I said, we'll include any relevant links from this episode in the show notes. And I want to remind our listeners to, to subscribe to the U.S. Law Essentials podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also listen to all episodes on the uslawessentials.com website. Uh, and if you have any questions, comments, reactions, ideas, etc., we always love hearing from our listeners. Uh, you can contact us by email at daniel at uslawessentials.com or through the U.S. Law Essentials Facebook group or LinkedIn group. Oh, and we'll also make sure to add Claudia's uh, LinkedIn uh, profile on in the show notes so you can connect with her as well. So thanks everyone for listening to U.S. Law Essentials Law and Language Podcast and stay essential. <laughs>